Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And we're back for another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from the Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and Game Source. Thank you so much for listening to all of our great programs. It's been a tough day for everyone as we're recording this. The Kobe Memorial has just ended. Huge memorial that was done at the Staples Center in honor of Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gigi and it's been four weeks since the tragedy and still a tough time for us here as Lakers fans as we try to move on and try to cope still with what's gone on. I know there's still a lot of going on behind the scenes. I know a lawsuit has been filed as of today and now getting into that portion of this tragedy, unfortunately. And, you know, obviously the family has to go ahead and do what they need to do to go ahead and try and uh, continue on after such a devastating loss. But there's also some other good things to talk about when it comes to the Lakers. And, of course, they eked out a win over the Boston Celtics this past weekend. Also, as well, had a great win over Memphis. Although, it wasn't kind of as great as I thought it would be because they were up by 25 and kind of blew the lead. But still managed to go ahead and get the job done. We also talk about the week ahead with Zion on the way. And Markeith Morris now comes into the roster. And and how's that fit going to be? We're going to talk about all those things with my good friend. I know him as Tom Wong, but you know him as Laker Tom. Be part of the conversation at the site he runs, Lakerholics.net, plus his great articles today on Medium.com. It is Laker Tom. I know it's been a tough day, my friend. I know it was uh, hard watching for some of us out there, and I also know some others just couldn't bear to watch anymore because of, you know there's so much grief going on and so much sadness still, even to this day four weeks after the tragedy. Yeah, I kind of felt that way. Um, I watched bits and parts of it and a couple of videos of Vanessa talking and then uh, Shaq making his comments. But I was ready basically to move on. I, I just didn't want to douse myself in more grief on that. I think it's, you know, and hopefully a lot of people, you know, looked at it a little bit as a celebration of Kobe, but it's just such a sad, tragic situation that I can understand why people would avoid it. I was talking to a lot of people on Lakerholics.net, and some were watching it, and some were, you know, just basically couldn't bear to watch it anymore. Um, so it's tough times, and uh, uh, you know, now you hear about the lawsuit being filed against the helicopter pilot and the company, and it now appears that maybe he shouldn't have been flying that particular night with all that day with all of the fog and everything, and it just, you know just adds to the tragedy and frustration that you feel about situations like this. But, you know, then there's other things, you know, I know a lot of the, a lot of the people in the Celtics organization uh, were here for not only the game, but also for the ceremony with Kobe. And uh, I think one of the things that I thought was one of the most remarkable things that I could see was Bill Russell sporting that Kobe jersey. Um, Class act. Class act from one goat to another. That was that was really something. And and then basically Bill was criticized by a lot of Celtics fans, and he pretty much told them, you know, why don't you just take a walk off a short pier? That that was something to see. That was really uh, something special. As was the game. As was the game. So I'm trying to focus on things moving forward, and I think that's what Kobe would have wanted us all to do. My condolences and prayers go out for. Vanessa and and the families of all of the people that that died in that accident and uh, you know hopefully hopefully we can all just hug our loved ones and and just cherish the fact that they're still alive and with us. 
Couldn't agree with you more on that, my friend. Our deepest sympathies, again, to the Bryant family, but also as well, all the families that were you know, involved in this tragic accident. It's still affecting us even to this day. I go to the Laker groups, and it's right there on Facebook. I mean, the, the sadness, the grief, the remembrance, people just are not letting it go. It's, it's just very sad to see. It's deeply affecting how they go ahead and, and go about their day because Kobe – I, I think a lot of people di didn't even realize out there how much it would have affected them, you know, if something like that happened to an individual that was so dear to them, such as Kobe Bryant. I, I think there, you know, there's such amount of surprise to see the level of remembrance, the level of, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, sadness that people still feel over his loss because he is still every, every day. You see the pictures. You see the new, new artistry. You see the new tributes each and every day to him that are out there by millions of fans all over the world, and it, it's still so devastating, uh, you know, from them about how they feel about what happened to Kobe, and and still the, to this day, it's it's very remarkable to see how long-lasting the effect is of somebody of his stature passing away so soon. It's kind of funny to think about all of the expectations when Kobe retired. And I've been thinking about this the last few days. And I saw this picture. Um, I don't know whether it was a, a temporary statue, I guess, that was erected uh, outside of Staples with Kobe and Gigi. And I started thinking about all of the talk that I'd heard. A couple of friends and I had, had this long conversation about what should Kobe's statue look like, you know? Should it be the statue of him standing up on the scorer's desk, you know, with his arms spread wide uh, or the dunk statue, the uh, statue of him doing the dunk or or his patent fadeaway jumper, you know. I'm now hoping that it'll be Kobe and his daughter. You know, I think that that's that's really that's really the thing that sadly everybody's going to remember about Kobe Bryant. You know, when it comes down to that, if you want to pick out something that was the most poignant and that would uh, just you know encapsulate what everybody feels about the tragedy of someone dying so young with so much promise ahead of them you know and and especially his daughter so it's gotta you just gotta move forward on these things and and uh it's gonna be a difficult situation every time that we think about it you know i haven't been to staples uh live in northern california so i usually go down for a couple of games a year and uh uh, I've been looking through the schedule now, trying to figure out when when I want to go down for this year. There's some great games coming up, and, but it's still even even when you look at think about going down there. I just know the emotion that's going to be surrounding it, and and uh, I'm trying to get out of the doldrums of of that. That every time somebody mentions Kobe, every time I see my granddaughters in their 24 jerseys, you know, we had a game Sunday and. Uh, my granddaughter Alexa is wearing her 24 jersey, and you know, and and our little chant when we get out of the get ready out of the out of each huddle is one, two, three, Mamba, um, in honor of Kobe. So it, it's a difficult situation, and you just have to live with it and move on. And and I think the Lakers as a team uh, have come out, and I think that you know after the little bit of sloppy game against the Grizzlies, um, it was good to see them come out and really really put a great performance against uh, the Boston Celtics. That guy, Jason Tatum, man. You know, the Pelicans are probably wishing now that we had drafted Jason Tatum instead of Lonzo Ball. Um, that would have been – that he would have been traded as part of the Anthony Davis trade. The Pelicans would have loved to have had him. Um, so there you go in life. It's just a strange set of coincidences that you end up in situations like that. Um, but I'm looking forward to the next week of basketball. Uh, then I'm looking forward to those games in early March where we go out and, uh, you know, we get our we get our shots at the Bucks again and the Clippers again, uh, as well as the struggling 76ers. So uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to move on beyond that, beyond the, the tragedy of Kobe Bryant's death, and and it's not easy. But uh, I think that uh, you know. We're only human, and you can only deal with so much grief. And I don't think Kobe would want people to be taking a long time to do that. I think they'd want to, you know, he's the kind of guy who would want to wake that was a celebration as opposed to 
anything else. So hopefully we can go forward and, and celebrate his life by having a great season. Hopefully that will be the case. But, yes, there was still some great tributes today. Uh, Shaq, Michael Jordan, very tearful, talking about his mentorship of Kobe. Shaq, talking about, you know, their relationship and how up and down it was. Uh, but the times that it actually uh, came to the point where he actually finally got uh, or he actually Kobe earned the respect of him. And then he was talking about that moment. So that was very touching. And, you know, Vanessa uh, Bryant, Kobe's wife and Gigi's mom going up there and so brave to talk about exactly everything that she was going through at that point in time uh, during the course of the Kobe Memorial is just, yeah, it's still rough. It still hurts. It still stings to this day. And, And like you said, when you go to the Staples Center, Tom, I know you. the first thing you're going to be doing when you go in there, you're going to be looking for those Kobe Bryant jerseys hang, hanging up there on the rafters and and uh, take maybe a moment to to reflect on that. I know I would and uh, you know when, when I go down there. So that's what I'm going to be doing. So I, I can't blame you, Vit, about what's going on with everybody's emotions still, even to this day. It just shows you the kind of impact he had. You know, it's such a tragedy to happen so young to an individual like that and with his daughter as well and all that it just you see the impact even to this day and and you know a lot of people are not getting over it and this day is hopefully going to be that that bridge to something a little bit better going on each and every day i mean it takes each and every day day by day by day for people to go ahead and heal but again kobe's never going to be forgotten Gigi's never going to be forgotten in our hearts and And we just wish all the best to the family right here from the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. We'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where here comes this other major player. They have a ton of resources. Apple could change the way that entertainment is consumed. They say it's the only time this year that you'll have stars from each brand battling each other. And we know it's not going to be the case, but they like to say that and more power to them, I guess. Well, it's a big first step bringing all those superheroes together. There were definitely some parts of the movie that I that I really enjoyed. And then there were some parts that I I thought just kind of fell short of expectation. Part of it has to be something to do with how it's being promoted. And this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse, every week on Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. And we're back with the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Thank you so much for continuing to listen to the program. I will tell you right now that there's still some other great things going on with the Lakers. I know everybody's trying to get over what happened with the Kobe Memorial and and what's going on with Kobe, but there's still a great season to hand for the Los Angeles Lakers, and now they have more motivation and drive to do that more than ever before, obviously, what's going on. And, you know, it helps when you have a victory over the Celtics, as they did this weekend. They eked out a victory, Tom. Eked out a victory over the Boston Celtics, it was just something that wasn't textbook, but it got the job done. I mean, there were some things that I liked, but there was also some things I didn't like, and we'll discuss it right now. But your thoughts on the Lakers-Celtics on Sunday, how did the Lakers perform in your eyes? Yes, they got the victory, and it's always satisfying to get a victory over the Boston Celtics, but I don't think they are 100% satisfied the way they guarded Jason Tatum. And... It also shows up to me a little bit of weakness on the wing area. The wing, you know, guarding other wings is still going to be an issue going forward. I've always been a uh, last three quarters full guy, so uh, we've been. I've been battling this all day at the uh, Lakersolics fast uh, on Lakersolics.net. The whole concept of was this a big win or was it not a big win, and and should the win be devalued because uh, Kemba Walker wasn't playing, et cetera, et cetera. And I look at it a totally different way. I think I think that when you look at these teams that we're playing, you have to you have to look at how the game evolved, and you have to understand that you have to understand the game and all the strategy that happens in the game in the context of a seven game series. And the Celtics 
have a very good defense. They're one of the teams that has a top five defense and a top five offense, just like the Lakers. Um, and they do an excellent job. And it's very difficult when you when you have two men always on Anthony Davis down low, partly because we're playing a lot of times with a with another traditional center down there. The way I looked at the game is this way. Yeah, Kemba Walker wasn't playing, but Jason Tatum had his career best night and they still lost the game. Their center had his career best performance in the NBA and they still lost the game. And in the fourth quarter, uh, the Lakers made the defensive adjustments that they needed to make. Kuzma had four outstanding defensive trips against uh, Tatum. KCP played great defense, including that last play where basically he drew the offensive foul. Um, and Frank Bogle, maybe a little too late, but at least went out there and said, we're not going to get beat by Jason Tatum making those shots. We're going to force them to pass the ball and rely upon our team defense. And then, you know, you may not like this, Gerald, but we had a sighting again of playoff Rondo. And my God, I mean, guy, I like playoff Rondo. I played I, one hell of a game. I, I like playoff Rondo. I just don't like regular assists, season. Five Rondo. assists, no turnovers, five steals, a plus 15, and Kuzma a plus 17. So when I look at the game, I think that these, all of these things are, are, are really important things. You look at the way the Lakers adjusted that game, the way they came back twice um, and fought back and, and just really persevered. The chemistry is really important. We outscored their bench something like 46 to 12. And, and I just, just was cruising through Twitter and I'm reading this. I see an article headline about how deep the Celtics are. I'm like shaking my head here how deep the Celtics are. The issue is how deep are the Lakers? Um, and they're going to get deeper because they've got Marquise Morris coming. Um, I just think the, the Celtics, when Kemba Walker's healthy, are a good one to seven. After mm -hmm. the seven, it falls off a cliff. Right. But I think that the, the thing you have to look at is who won the game? Who performed best in the fourth quarter? Who came down the stretch and made the winning plays? And the Lakers did that. Those are the, those are the kind of plays... The other thing I think that people have to realize, too, is that this team so far has not lost a single game when LeBron James scores 30 points. I had a Twitter post last week about playoff LeBron. We want to talk about playoff Rondo. Let's talk about playoff LeBron. LeBron basically has scored 20% more in his last two playoffs than he did during the regular season. So if you took his average of 25 points per game, He's going to average over 30 points per game in the playoffs, probably. If he averages 30 points a game in the playoffs and the Lakers continue to win every one of those games, it will shut a lot of people up. So I think that the Lakers basically are exactly where they want to be at this point in time. I think it's almost even more important that they win these close games and dominate against teams that are under 500 and don't lose those games than having a couple of blowout games, you know. The Celtics blew the Lakers out in the worst loss that we had this year. We came back and won the game. We outplayed them when it counted. We shut down their star in the fourth quarter. He got one shot and two free throws, and that was it. Four points. Turned the ball over three times. I can't complain anything about that, and and I'm I'm really frustrated with the naysayers and the doubters who constantly come up and say, Oh man, we should have. We should have. We were lucky to win this game. We're lucky to win that game. We keep seeing these challenges being dropped on it. It's a schedule. It's the all of these various reasons why the Lakers should not be considered to be the best team in the favor to win the championship. And every single time we have that challenge coming up, they're going to meet it. And I think we're going to find the same thing in early March when we play the Clippers again and we play the Bucks again. The Lakers are going to win this championship. I'm convinced of it. The ball will have to bounce the right way because there's always that element in every single championship series. And I think the Celtics could very well be, this could rather, this, nothing could be better for a Kobe Bryant's last season on earth than to have the Lakers and Celtics in the finals. That would be such a tradition that, that would just be unbelievable to happen. And I think there's a good chance it could happen. I mean, Jason Tatum 
is a superstar as far as I'm concerned. You watch those adjustments that guy made with the ball when he's going to the rack, and uh, man, you just have to appreciate this guy has such a tight a tight handle on the ball, and he's almost impossible to stop getting in close. It'll be interesting to see, but the Lakers basically threw a phalanx of guys against him. Kuzma did a good job. KCP did a good job. AD has not had a whole lot of success against him, but I'd still put AD on anybody. And the guy who of the Lakers who's probably done the best job, according to all of the stats that Eric Pink has put together, has been LeBron James, who's done a terrific job on him. Markeith Morris has not really guarded him very many times, but Morris has also done an excellent job against uh, Pascal Siakam and, uh, and against Ben Simmons. So there's something about that size and bulk that you have to be able to, to handle that uh, quickness of, of uh, Tatum's. So I think the Lakers basically have the right formula for defending all of these wing guys that everybody's worried about. And I think that uh, we'll get into it in the next segment here that Markeith Morris is going to add to that phalanx of guys that we can throw against him. And I think that's the important thing, that and, and then the smart, the smart defense, the smart defensive coaching job that Frank Vogel did. You know, we got into the fourth quarter and Frank basically said, we're not going to lose to this guy. We're going to make somebody else on that team beat us. And that is by far the right move that you have to make against the James Hardens, against the Giannis, uh, against uh, Kawhi Leonard. All of those guys who are basically unstoppable, the guys that you see day in and day out continue to prove that great offense in the NBA today beats great defense. Um, so you need to have, you can't just rely upon having one stopper to go out there. There just is not enough energy or enough foul calls that you can survive with that type of attitude. You have to have a team approach toward guarding those guys and put multiple players on them so that they don't get in, they can't get any one guy into foul trouble. So I think you'll see LeBron on him. You'll see AD on him. You'll see... Kuzma hopefully on him. You'll see Marquise Morris on him. Uh, and you'll see KCP on him. KCP does a pretty good job. Um, and then there's some guys, you know, like like Luca that that guys like Bradley can really bother because they just don't have as tight a handle and, and they can't deal with the having the heavy pressure of somebody who's attacking your ball on every time that you move down the court. So I'm I'm thinking the Lakers in great shape, they could be in a better situation. Uh, we've got four games that we should win before we had a stretch against the 76ers, the Bucks, and this and the Clippers. And I think what we want to do over the next week or so is to win those four games, four games against teams that are under 500 that we should be able to dominate. And we need to just continue to do the same thing we've done, which is win the games that we're supposed to win and then get better and better as we play the teams that are the tougher teams that are the playoff championship teams that we're going to have to beat in the playoffs in order to advance. Well, I'll tell you what, it starts with hopefully, uh, you know, bringing in Markeith Morris into the fold. And that's something I wanted to talk to you about. I don't know how much credit you can give me on that. And I appreciate you giving me credit for that on Lakerholics.net. But I only mentioned him as I don't want to say a throw-in to a trade for Derrick Rose, but I mentioned Cam as, you know, when I went to the ESPN trade machine a few weeks back, talk about potential trades for the Lakers, I did see him as part of a good trade for the Los Angeles Lakers. And had it worked out, you know, the way I did it, the Lakers, you know, showed on the little bottom of the screens that plus 13 wins, which would have been awesome if that would have been the case. But Seeing Markeith Morris, I just thought he has enough of a skill set to be effective, to go ahead and provide some minutes for the Lakers as long as there's not too much of an expectation put upon him. I know that he's been other places, and I believe Oklahoma City is probably the first place I'd talk about where he has not endeared himself or his play did not go up to the level mm -hmm. that they were hoping for. Because coming out of college, he was actually slightly thought of better than his brother. He's an inch taller than his brother. But unfortunately, since they've come to the NBA, more by more by more, his brother has proven to be the better of the two Morris twins. But still, you can't fault 6'8", 250, who can hit almost 40% from the three-point right. line. So he's having his best year from the three-point area, and that's a good thing for the Lakers. One of the bad things about it is – his defense is spotty, 
I will say that, you know, statistically, you look at the plus minus, you look at the defensive ratings, and it's not as high as you would like it. But also, his he's very injury prone. So you have to look at that as well. Can he stay healthy for a long run, a hopefully a long playoff run for the Los Angeles Lakers? So those are a couple things that you look at. And that's probably part of the reason why he is out and available right now or now part of the Lakers or made available by the Detroit Pistons because he's just not lived to as many expectations I think these other teams have had for him. So I ask you, my friend, can you temper as a Los Angeles Lakers fan or as the Los Angeles Lakers organization, can you temper your expectations and bring in Markeith Morris at certain points in time of the game where he can excel and not expect for him to go ahead and do too much? Because when I think that happens, there you get yourself into some trouble. Yeah, those are all good points, Gerald. It's kind of interesting. Um, I think one of the fabulous things about life is that sometimes coincidences happen, little little things happen that, that somehow turn out to be blessings, silver linings in the clouds, if you will. We wanted Marcus Morris. And we were willing, depending upon who you believe, to offer Kuzma and Danny Green or, you know, DeMarcus Cousins, uh, uh, Kuzma, and Avery Bradley in a, in a second-round draft pick to get him. Um, and in the end, nobody, at least at this point in time, we don't know how come those deals didn't go through, what was really offered and what wasn't offered. And during this entire incident, I remember sort of belittling your comment, not disrespectful, but belittling your comment about making the trade for the Detroit and calling Marquis the wrong Morris. What's kind of ironic is that I remember us having a conversation a couple of podcasts ago about uh, how the uh, how these uh, signings in the buyout market seem to miraculously happen. Um, and there's no doubt. And I, and I think what happens in these situations is the Lakers have done a good job of keeping things quiet. I'm sure that they asked to talk to the Pistons. It's obvious that, that even before the final thing goes through where we where he's waived, he buys he agrees to a buyout and then and then gets waived by the uh, Pistons, that he's already talked to the Lakers and the Lakers have basically outlined his role, that Kuzma's going to move over and back up LeBron at the three. And, and Morris will be the primary backup of uh, AD at the four. And will also play some small ball five. And he's also going to get the $1.75 million non-prorated uh, exception that the Lakers get, injury exception that the Lakers get from DeMarcus Cousins. And, and actually, they're going to replace Cousins. They're going to waive Cousins, although uh, they're going to ask for permission for him to stay with the team, work out with the team, and the plan is next summer to sign him again. So when you sit back and you look at it, we missed out on Marcus Morris, but actually it's probably a better situation for us that, that we got Markeith. You talk about expectations. One guy's a 19-point-per-game scorer who's going to expect minutes and is going to expect, you know, touches. And minutes and touches aren't something that we have a whole lot of left over after you get Anthony Davis and LeBron James they're, they're due share. Markeith, on the other hand, he still takes four threes a game, but he's not going to expect to be, you know, to get the kind of touches that his brother would get. And then also, I think a big difference between the two of them is that little extra height and most importantly, that 35 pounds more that Markeith has on him to be able to hold his position against guys like, and, and he he's, gets a good rating as a post defender. Um, he's not a great perimeter defender, but he's, he's done well against the Occam. Uh, Eric Pincus had a great article out today, uh, where he is comparing the stats of various people against, uh, Marky Morris against various players. And I think the biggest thing that came out of that whole article was, was Pincus saying that there's a good prospect that he can be an impact player for us on the offensive end. He's perfect because he can play small ball center and take the banging inside to allow Anthony Davis room to attack the basket that he wouldn't have if JaVale McGee or Dwight Howard were holding that dunker spot in the offense. He gives us that, that shooter that Kuzma hasn't been, and that he actually moves Kuzma over to the three 
where he can have a bigger impact. But on defense, it's nice to have a guy who can who can go out there and you think about the fact that we got him for really giving up nothing because of the deal that they made with Cousins. Cousins wasn't going to play this year. In fact, it's probably wise for him not to play this year, even if he was healthy by the time the playoffs come. That's how he got injured last year. It was coming back too soon, you know, from from the Achilles tendon. And the last thing he wanted for him to come back too soon from the ACL that he had. So we, we add a player to the roster and we go from 14 to 15 players, really. And we don't have to give up anything. We don't really have to waive anybody on the entire bench. And I frankly don't think we're going to sign anybody else. I think the Lakers are going to feel comfortable and set with the lineup they have. And I think Markeith will give us a little bit of toughness that we maybe lacked. He'll give us another shooter that we need with size. And he'll give us another defender to throw at the the Kawhis and the Tatums and and uh, the Giannis's in the league. And for all of that, it's, it is a silver lining that we really missed out in the buyout market at the, at the first. And we really found the right nugget that fit the lineup perfectly, that doesn't disturb the chemistry, that keeps that team chemistry totally intact. You know, and, and that's one of the things when you just, every time you look at the, you know, the, the shots that I saw the Memorial today, and all of the Lakers players, that's really family. You hate to see, I would hate to see Quinn Cook waved. I'd hate to see Troy Daniels waved. I hated to see DeMarcus Cousins wave, but at least I understand the reason for doing that. And uh, I think that, you know, when you look back on this, uh, I, I think the Lakers are going to be a much stronger team in the second half of the season. And I think Markeep was the perfect fit for adding to the lineup. I think it's better that we got him than we got Marcus. Uh, and so I apologize, Marquis, for calling you the wrong Morris. I think you were the right Morris in the end. You see that eyebrow going up? You see this one? I'm sorry. <laughs> That's because, Tom, I, I think you've been reading too many of the tea leaves there because, uh, you know, I, I want to put it out for there right now. Yes, it's nice that we've got a potential 40% three-point shooter who does have some size with him. It's great. But to say that right now he's a better fit for the Lakers than Marcus Morris, I think is a little bit of a stretch. I'm going to be honest with you because Marcus Morris has been playing, you know, at a level much better than Markeith. How have the Clippers done since they got Marcus? Well, that's beside the point. That's a team that four in a row losses and Kawhi played every single one of them. You know, that's a team that's in disarray right now that hopefully you know, because if we want to go ahead and have that great matchup against the Clippers, they need to get it together and they need to put it together to actually see at during playoff time who's going to play against each other and who's going to be the best coming out of that in the playoff format. But, yeah, I, I, I still would say Marcus is the better of the Twins playing right now. I'm going to be honest with you. You, you just – I see Marcus as someone who could actually, in a potential – uh, you know, closing situation still play on the court effectively mm-hmm. in a five in a five person rotation, or whether it would be on the Lakers or the Clippers. I don't see that with Markeith. and that's. Well, I, that, I'm, that's not, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that Markeith is a better player. I'm just saying that Markeith is a better fit on the Lakers because he won't have the expectations that Marcus will have. We don't need. He has the things that we need. And none of the things that we don't need. We don't need another player who wants to have the ball in his hands, who wants to get a lot of shots up, who is scoring 19 points per game, who's a free agent next year and is going to expect a big payroll. Instead, we've got a guy who's willing to fit into the role. He knows he's a backup. He knows he's going to be coming off the bench. He knows he's got limited minutes. He knows that what his job is going to be is to stretch the floor and come in and play defense against some bigger guys. Um, and so there's a, there's a fit there that wouldn't have screwed up the chemistry, whereas Marcus might have screwed up the chemistry. Um, and that's what I really mean by him being, he, he's the right Morris for the Lakers. He wouldn't have been the right Morris for the Clippers. The Clippers probably need another guy. Although I think that they went after Morris primarily to keep him from the Lakers. I think that was pretty obvious that that was a, a move by subtra- addition by subtraction. They did not want to have. Marcus Morris quoted the Lakers. Um, 
but I think getting Markeith is a better fit for the Lakers because it doesn't it doesn't hurt their chemistry and his his expectations fit better with what we can offer somebody really to play. That's really what I'm saying about that whole thing. Not claiming that that Markeith is the better player between the two of them. Um, and I'm sure that no matter how well Markeith plays, and no matter how well Marcus plays, when free agency happens for both of these guys next summer, Mark Marcus is going to be in a lot more demand than Markeith. Okay. But Markeith, well, I, might, I, Markeith might have a championship ring. True, very true. I just wanted to make sure that's clarified because, okay. yeah, it's uh, something that you can was put like, the eyebrow down. You can put the yeah, eyebrow. I, down. I can put the eyebrow down. Okay, because uh, that was starting to get to be a head scratcher. There, I was like, mm. right. but you know what? I'm hope I'm proven. I don't want to say I'm proven wrong, but I'm hoping you're uh, you're proven right that he will be an effective cog to that and play minutes and not be just end up being what most of these buyout market guys eventually yeah. become, and that is just end of the bench type rotation guys that are not that they're barely getting into the game. I mean, that's how many, they, how many buyout guys have you seen that have transform the team into a championship contender. Exactly. There's not too that many. I mean, or, or that's played effective minutes. I mean, the last one people point to is Enos Cantor. Right. And that was because of injury. And, yeah. you know, there's, but there's very few buyout, you know, uh, there, there's very few buyout players that actually can make a significant or actually end up making a significant contribution right. to their team. But if the Lakers can get anything good or anything positive from Markeith Morris going forward, I think that's a win for the Lakers. Yep. I kind of was sad to see DeMarcus Cousins not being a part of the team. Personally, I would have probably let Troy Daniels go or Jared Dudley, one of the two players that I think will probably play or be the least effective in a playoff format yeah. because Troy Daniels probably will not get, get much action at all during the course of the playoffs. Jared Dudley might, depending on the situation, get five minutes here or five minutes there in a game. But I don't see Troy Daniels, you know, it's because of his. Why do you think they did it? Why do you think they did that? I think because maybe it's because of the fact that Cousins is just not going to be able to make it. Cousins is just probably going to be someone that, you know, maybe at best could be there for a, a, a maybe an NBA championship finals, uh, excuse me, a Western Conference finals. Maybe at best, but then again, you're talking about bringing someone that's, you know, brand new to your lineup after so many out, so many months out. That that wouldn't be work at all. I, I think that's why he's going to clear waivers. I think that's why he's not going to be picked up for another team. Is because of the fact that he is going to be out of the lineup so long that yeah. it's going to you know, just say, hey, you know what, just go ahead and rehab, and we'll go ahead and look out for all of our opportunities that we have available from other teams, including the Lakers right. come next year, because I just thought it was, I thought it was very wishing. I thought it was very hopeful on his part to go ahead and enhance that speculation to say on the podcast with Steven Jackson. Yeah. Two days, I, two days before he got waived. Yeah, exactly. So I, you know, he kind of heightened that himself, but I, I just don't think that he was going to be ready or at a point even where he was last year, where he came on later in the season, where he was still able to play effective minutes for the Golden State Warriors before he got hurt, because you could see he wasn't totally healthy then. I, I just see it even being a worse point now for him and to say, hey, after all this time you've been out, you, and let's take someone like Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, you know, if he comes back during a playoff run for, for Brooklyn on hypothetically, let's say, how effective can he really be, and would that be hurting him long term? So you got to put those two, two factors into there. So well, I think it was probably much prove that point, you know, by getting injured again. You know, yeah, all on the same side of the body. I, here's what my take is on the Cousins situation. I've always felt that Cousins was not going to come back this year, period, because I thought it would be foolish to risk him getting injured again, um, and I thought always that his position on the bench. And his position on that roster was Anthony Davis. He's like best friends with Anthony. And Anthony, he's the guy that Anthony wants to play center. And so we were, we were, we were always talking about next year with DeMarcus. And when push comes to shove and they needed, they had an opportunity to, to sign Markeith uh, in the buyout market, I think that they basically said, listen, we can do one of two things. We can cut a guy who's part of the chemistry of the team 
who's a shooter that you can bring in in an emergency time, and you know a guy's going, you know, he can hit threes, which is Troy Daniels. Um, or we can just tell Demarcus, listen, we never really planned on you playing this year. We're keeping you around because we want you next year, and we and the league will give us permission since you got injured on our our ticket. The league will give us permission so you can continue to work out with the team and everything. You just won't be able to sit on the bench in the first part, you know, as part of the bench, so to speak. And so I think that they made a decision that was a, a sign of chemistry, you know. And I and and I maybe I'll be proved wrong tomorrow when they they sign J.R. Smith or or some crazy move to you know, to bring in somebody else. Um, but I think that they're set. And I think that they didn't want to, ch- I think they didn't want to mess with that chemistry on the bench. And I think that was a big part of why they didn't trade Kuzma. Um, both LeBron and, and Anthony believe in Kuzma. Um, just like they believe in Rondo, just like they believe in everybody on that roster. And when you saw all of those guys together after Kobe's death and everybody, you know, hugging and holding on to each other, there's something there that I, I, I think was a decision that, hey, we could flip a coin. And if we're going to flip that coin, we're going to flip it in terms of, of being loyal, of being loyal to the guys who, who really have given everything. And regardless of whether they're going to end up being major factors or not, they've been part of the reason why we have such a terrific chemistry on this team. And I think that they made that decision to do that. Um, and I think also, too, that you can explain it to DeMarcus pretty simply by saying, man, we can't cut one of these guys who've been playing and have been part of contributing to this championship so far. Um, you're still going to be part of the team. You're going to be part of the team next year. I'm hoping there's a handshake deal so he knows what kind of deal he's going to get next year. He's like a redshirt free agent for us. You know, he's a redshirt freshman or something like that. He's only going to be 30 years old next year. And man, I, you know, I would, I would sign him to a two-year deal with an option so that he got a shot at his bird rights. And I think that you could very easily, you know, he, he's going to be a long-term piece of the Lakers, but I think that the decision to, to not let even Troy Daniels go, Troy Daniels can shoot the ball, man. He's a 40% career shooter and, uh, and a guy who's part of it. And I couldn't imagine, you know, I mean, it's going to be heartbreaking to like see Quinn Cook get cut. Um, well, Quinn Cook, you shouldn't cut because I still feel he has his effectiveness. He can score in bunches, and he has NBA Finals experience. He has that experience in the NBA Finals, which not every player has. Yeah. So, and he, he's someone who isn't going to be shy. You put him in a situation that say Rondo gets hurt or somebody gets hurt, Caruso yeah. or whatnot in the NBA Finals. You stick him in there. He's going to go ahead and give you at least a short burst of positivity now longer terms longer minutes longer outings for him have proven to be the issue especially because his size he's not able to go ahead and get to the basket as well as some other guards and i notice his shot gets blocked rather easily so he is it exposes him when he's out there for longer periods of time but when he's out there for five minutes seven minutes even maybe 10 minutes you know 12 minutes a game he go there and he can get you that short burst of energy and those shots right away and a points right away to get you back into it. So I do not see him getting waived. I do not see him getting cut. I just think he's too valuable a piece that you have as like I called Caruso the other day. I'd say Caruso was the mm-hmm. in case of emergency break last guy said that he right. happens to be because seemingly that happens a, a lot for him is that he's not utilized until absolutely needed that same thing could go for queen cook and if there's some injuries during the course of the playoffs look for queen cook to be one of the guys that could take advantage right. of that situation well i think there's a couple of things that that seem to jump out at me one is that the lakers felt no matter how you want to cut it and slice it they felt that it was more important to have Troy Daniels on the roster than DeMarcus Cousins. That's what that decision says to me. The second thing, too, that uh, I want to add for Markeith Morris is this roster has been positionally unbalanced right from the very start. Way too many guards and not enough bigs. uh, Or made too many guards and not enough forwards, if you will. And Morris coming in and, and replacing a center who wasn't going to play really add some balance to that 
uh, team as far as the smalls and the bigs. Um, and I think that was an important part of it that, that, you know, really will help the team out. Do you think that they're going to sign anybody else? Well, the one name I had pointed out to, uh, you know, in an upcoming interview I have with TJ that's going to play this week, TJ Johnson from Voice in the Underground, uh, or was it Jimmy Simonis? Uh, Jimmy Simonis, I had a great conversation with as well. Just so many conversations over the course of the weekend with Lakers and pop culture. <laughs> it all it all seems to blend in. But the name I pointed out that is on his last year's contract is Jeff Teague. And Jeff mm. Teague, if he did ask for a buyout, he would be intriguing. And I think he would be a slight... Wake up Troy Daniels for Jeff Teague, no doubt yeah. about it. He would be a slight upgrade over Rondo because mm-hmm. he has the ability to score and is still young enough at 30, 30 31 to go ahead and is he on the last year of his contract? Yes, I checked with basketballreference.com. Mm-hmm. He is on the last year of his contract What's according to what I saw. Sorry. 12, 12 million or something like that. He's paid a lot more than that. You'd be surprised what, what he's being paid right now. 20? So I, he signed a three-year, fifty-seven million dollar contract, eighteen million bucks. Right? Yeah, see, so you, you do the math on that one. That's uh, you know, people are like, ah, but he came up. Right. He, he, but there's not a whole lot. But there's not a whole lot of the season left, too. There's yeah, like that's true. So, but there's there's less of the week, so he's got to make up his mind if he wants to go ahead and get bought out. But you know, I don't think he will at this point. I, there, I've heard no rumblings in regards to Jeff yeah. Teague, so it doesn't look like that's to, in my mind. It would have to be somebody of that quality. Mo Harkless is, is yeah. having his dream come true by playing for the Knicks. And, well, maybe. Yeah. Months not over. Months not over. We got to March 1st. Well, yeah, exactly. That dream could come crashing down when you're playing for the Knicks for, for about a few days. So yeah. I told that to TJ the other day. It was kind of funny because, yes, it is something that we'll have to wait and see. But I think Jeff T would be the one player, mm-hmm. if not Mo Harkless, because Mo Harkless doesn't yeah. seem like he said, he said on the record. But Either, so, either I, one of those two would, would probably send Troy packing. <laughs> yeah. But I just don't, it's not no, no offense to Troy Daniels. It's just, no, you know, this, is, this is the same question that was brought up when he was first brought on because he was one of the first signings right after the right. Kawhi deal went down. In fact, I think he was signed just before, if I'm not mistaken, because the fact that, you know, he is a guy that, yes, he can hit 40% from the three-point line, but he's not quick enough to cover guards his size, yeah. but he's not big enough to cover. You can always hide one guy. Long. You can always hide one guy, especially when you when you need, you know, like I, I sort of took umbrage when you said that Caruso was the emergency break glass type of player. I think he's evolved beyond that now. He's become a staple for the defense. Quinn Cook and Troy Daniels are the, you know, break the glass in case of emergency time. I, I disagree with you because I saw it in the Memphis game where he wasn't getting any action well into the second half, and it wasn't he until really, he played really well in the Celtics game. But that's what I'm saying. You know, he just you see these dips and points, and then finally, okay, Rondo, it isn't working. His, his defensive rating is the top defensive rating on the team. Gerald, yeah, he deserves that. But I think Vogel, what he does, he gauges the game. And sure. then there are certain games like against Memphis, Boston. He did play a more integral part. He, I won't get, won't get this way, but there are those games where Alex Caruso, uh, he's not put in in, in full quarters. He, you know, first quarter mm-hmm. go by, there's no sign of Alex Caruso, and he's not in the regular rotation at the beginning of the second quarter when Dwight Howard come, usually is supposed to come in. But he's almost you know, always he's almost always closes games except when Rondo is playing real well. Exactly. That's this one I'm trying he's to make. Closer. If, Rondo, if Rondo is playing well, he plays very minimal. If right. Rondo isn't playing well, he's not. He's more apt to get that time right. after. That's four out of five. That's four out of five games, as you would readily admit. <laughs> yes, as I readily admit. But yeah, he seems to be that guy that okay, Frank Vogel goes to after. You know, we give Rajon Rondo a try. This Boston game was notwithstanding because it seemed to be, you know, Rondo played well and Caruso played well both at the same right. time in Spurs and alternately. And that's the way I think it should work. But Caruso, Caruso had probably his best game that I've seen in a lot. Alex's problem has always been really two things. One, that he doesn't make good decisions when he gets into the paint. Well, he's not, he's not the point guard that he was brought in to be. Well, he's not really a point guard. He's more of a shooting guard. He's really more of a defensive specialist. Yeah. But he, in the Celtics game, he really did a terrific job of attacking the paint. And I've always felt that 
that before Rondo showed again some more playoff Rondo, my my feeling about the Rondo Caruso dynamic, if you will, has always been that Caruso's a guy who gets better with time on the floor. He needs touches and experience. And he's he he sometimes throws bad passes inside because he doesn't quite see the game quick enough. He doesn't see the game the way Rondo does or LeBron does. But yet that's something that I think he's smart enough and savvy enough that he can pick up. And so I'd be willing to give him more minutes at the point guard role and have him actually learn on the job to become better with the idea that maybe by the time you get to the playoffs, and this is the same way I feel about Kuzma, by the time you get to the playoffs, you have to invest in two players, Kuzma and and Caruso, because those are the two players that if you can get them to play better, and I, and I actually include Rondo in that trio, if that trio of those three players could even elevate their game up a notch for each one of them before the playoffs, we would be a much better team. Um, because he's still going to have minutes for those guys, even with LeBron playing 40 minutes a game like he's going to do in the playoffs, and AD probably 40 minutes a game. But it's always you'll always find the times when you have the depth on it, and, and that's that's when guys like Cook and, and Daniels who can come off the bench and fire long threes and hit a hit two or three of them in a row to bring you back into a game are important, you know. So it's a good it's a good mix. The lineup the, the team is a good mix. You know, it'd be it'd be great if we could. Uh, I mean, the ideal situation would you probably would if we had an opportunity to get Harkless and Jeff Teague. Yeah, I think we'd probably cut two guys. Yeah, Jared Dudley and Troy Daniels would probably be the most apt to be waived at um, time. Yeah, but you know, but I think that that's really a those are really like you know, ten it's to not one, shot, ten to yeah. one shots at the best, and probably closer to fifty to one shots. Yeah, at this point in time, I think, it I looks think like, gonna, my bet is we're going to stand pat. I don't see us going for Smith or anybody like that. It looks like at this point in time the Lakers yeah. roster is set, but you never know. As soon as we, this, you know, gets posted on the air, J.R. Smith or you know, Dion Waiters. This is the twenty fourth or twenty fifth of the month. Twenty fourth, right here. So 24th. as we're recording, Dion Waiters Island still could be out there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that that makes me nervous. Uh, yeah, hide those gummy if bears. If that happens, I will be. If if they sign J.R. or Waiters, I will be just stunned. Totally stunned because I don't think it's. I think I don't think that they're at all even thinking that. I don't regularly do gifs. In fact, it's something I've tried to avoid doing, including when it was just created within the past few years. But I would throw you, specifically you, a gif with LeBron's <laughs> look at J.R. Smith from the finals game that right. where J.R. I've seen it. I've seen it a number of times. Yes, yeah, so I would throw that at you if he gets hired. Yeah, just to say, you know what? This is what you're getting. <laughs> But I tell you what, my friend, it's been great talking to you today. But before we go ahead out and talk about all the great things at Lakerholics.net, I do want to talk about the week ahead and mm -hmm. primarily LeBron versus Zion. So we go from in the beginning where we're talking about Kobe's memorial and, and mm -hmm. the sadness and, and the grief that we still have to something a little bit more positive and something that we as fans can be excited about. I'm not saying Zion is the next LeBron because he has a different skill set than LeBron. But it is truly amazing to watch this guy play out there with virtually he's shooting no. the ball better than I thought he'd ever would. I mean, right off of the bat, he's been shooting well. You know, there is a case now if he goes ahead and continues this that if he plays out the rest of the season that he could be No, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Uh, I don't know. A lot of people are going to be swayed from John Morant. The <sighs> Memphis has to stay in the playoff race. I think if Memphis stays yeah. in the playoff race, that will still get it for job. But people don't realize how good Jaw is. You know who he reminded me of a lot? He Who's reminded that? me a lot when he gets inside of Jason Tatum. They both move that ball around when they're attacking the rim, just beautiful movement of the ball. I mean, it's very hard to know where that ball is going to come out, if it's going to come out on which side of the basket or what. I was impressed. I was watching him play in the Grizzlies the first time I really watched a whole game of him this year. And when he gets into the paint, he is lightning quick and very difficult to stop from. I mean, you can see why the guy shoots such a high percentage going to the rim. And Tatum, the same thing with Tatum, you know. Tatum makes great adjustments, and he's got those long arms and, and tight little dribble, same as Jaw does. So if we saw a whole 
entire season of Zion playing like he's playing so far, yeah, he's the rookie of the year. But I think that it's an insult to not recognize that John Morant, he's going to be a superstar player. You know, there's no question that he is a phenomenal talent. He's going to be one of that next generation of players that that's going to play 15, 20 years and, and, and be a star all of the time. And it will be talked about being in the top 10 players in the league at some point in time. Well, John Morant that- would still be my rookie of the year. Oh, okay. I'm not telling you different. I'm just telling you that flash, you know, that, that style and, and that, you know, the Zion mystique that, you know, the NBA was trying to push down our throats before the season even started and putting him on literally every, well, almost literally every yeah. single national broadcast. It wasn't, mis- it wasn't, mis- it wasn't misdirected. No, it I wasn't agree. misdirected. But you are going to see that from some of these sports writers if it continues like this. Yep. And you see New Orleans make a push. If they actually even end up passing the Memphis Grizzlies, that would be you know the narrative even tighter. I'm just going to well, tell you that yeah. you're going to see all these these loud mouths pushing more for Zion for Rookie of the Year. I'm just going to tell you that. Right now. Yeah, but it is something we're going to be excited seeing. Two games against Zion coming up this week. We're looking forward to it. Plus, there's also the games coming up that you talked about earlier with Philadelphia. A very, you know, I guess what you could say, uh, uh, Jekyll and Hyde type team because they don't play very well on the road at all. And now Ben Simmons is having back issues, so it's making it even worse for the Philadelphia 76ers. Although, you know, Joel Embiid might like that. So we'll have to wait. Hey, they all get time. up for the Lakers, man. That's the problem. Yeah. I mean, there's Milwaukee. I mean, they have that triple threat of Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and L.A. back to back to back in early March. So that's something we definitely want to go ahead and talk about. And we will on next week's show. But before we head on out, my friend, we got to let the people know out there about your awesome site, Lakerholics.net. What's the conversation going on and how can people be a part of it? So you're going to get a lot of intelligent conversation from people that have been participating in this same format for seven or eight years now since the LA Times blog fell apart. Um, a lot of the attention right now is with this with the memorial for Kobe and Gigi, um, and and a lot of talk about the game against the Celtics. Um, lots of respect for Bill Russell and and uh, some of the other Celtics players for coming to the memorial and so forth. Um, so it's a mixture of, of celebration and winning the game and celebration in the life of Kobe and sadness because of the tragedy that we've all gone through and and reliving a lot of that tragedy as people talk about various things, uh, how Kobe meant, what Kobe meant to them in their lives and what memories just jump out at them. So you know, a lot of laughs and a lot of tears combined in, at this point in time. But we're getting ready for the second half of the season, and I think everybody is pretty optimistic on the site. Um, I'd say that normally we have a pretty good balance of glass half empty and glass half full guys uh, and girls. But right now, I think almost everybody is is looking really forward to a terrific season and and uh, and hoping that uh, we'll 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 do exactly what Kobe would have wanted us to do in this situation, which is bring back our Celtics tying seventeenth NBA championship. Let's hope that's the case. And for us here at the Lakers Fast Break, I do want to mention that we have not one great interview with you, but two, but three great interviews out there that we're going to be playing. And in fact, one is already out on the Lakers Fast Break podcast. So as you listen to this podcast with Laker Tom and I, please, if you haven't already, listen to the great conversation that I had this past weekend with Jimmy Simonis from youtube he's a he's a great youtube artist out there he does a lot of great things so check out his content on youtube i had a great conversation with him on the western and eastern conference and i also had another great conversation with tj johnson when it concerns the what's going on with the lakers as well and that one i'm going to play this week so look out for that just three awesome interviews with you jimmy and tj look for today at the lakers fast break if you have any questions with us please go ahead and let us know on our Twitter at Lakers Fast Break. Also as well, Lakers Fast Break at Yahoo.com. We're just so happy to go ahead and answer your questions, hear your feedback, things of that nature. And even if you want to stop by and be a guest, we'd love to have you on the show. Just let us know at Lakers Fast Break or Lakers Fast Break at Yahoo.com. 
Well, my friend, been great talking to you. I know we're still overcoming the grief that is the Kobe Memorial that happened earlier today, but you know, we're going to pull through together as a basketball community, as a fan community, and go ahead and, and try to bring some positive out of this. And that hopefully will end up being a Lakers title run. So I'm looking forward to it. And it all starts coming up this week against Zion. So I'm looking forward to that. I know you're going to be talking about that greatly on Lakerholics.net. So I'm looking forward to hearing and reading what's going on with the Lakers, reading it at Lakerholics.net, and also being part of it right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.